Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Katie on the Flip Side, the podcast. I'm here to finish up this top 10 codependency red flag series. Um, Three podcasts in a row now. How about that to finish this up? Um, By in a row, I mean, I skipped last week. Uh, Cullen was having his vasectomy. If you do not follow us on YouTube or Instagram, you might not know about that. But um, if you are interested in hearing about that kind of thing or about our experience, we're pretty open about everything and share stuff. So you can check out the full story on our YouTube channel, Cullen and Katie, or um, there's, I believe, I don't even think there's highlights on Instagram, but there's some stuff over there. You can follow us there, KatiePie07 and Culligan27. But... Um, I'm back here this week. I was taking care of that last week. And then um, I'm here today. So this is the last one in this series of 10. And um, I apologize that things got a little hairy here towards the end with everything going on, but I was determined to finish it. So I feel like I'm ending it in a little bit, a lot of a different place than where I started it. I originally started doing this series to kind of walk you guys through each of the toxic behaviors that I identified in myself as I was recognizing uh, codependency and overcoming that. Um, I don't think it's ever something you fully overcome. By overcoming, I mean like working through it, healing from it, working to change those things. Um, I said this in the very beginning when I started the series and was looking back over my notes and I was like, This is a good reminder now um, to mention, too, how I've also found it important to start observing how often these behaviors show up in the people that you spend time with. Um, As a codependent, as somebody who struggles with codependency or with any type of um, history of, like, this type of thing going on in your life, you're typically drawn to people who are similar or drawn to people who have the same uh, toxic behaviors or traits. And once you start seeing it, you cannot unsee it. Um, So that's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you're suddenly able to go, oh, this is not going to be helpful for me to continue spending (laughs) I don't even know what word I was like trying to go for there. Um, Large amounts of time with this group of people or with this friend that always, you know, we end up just talking about about everybody and getting into all the gossip and all that. Um, so as you're kind of recognizing these things in yourself, you will start to recognize them in people around you and kind of start to develop your own new um, guidelines for the folks you hang out with. Um, okay, so the one that we're going to talk about today to wrap up this final one um, is one that I feel like had I talked about it a year ago, I would have had a bit of a different, not a different perspective, but less to uh, cover on this because it's something that I have learned so much about, like kind of the underlying parts of over the past year. And number 10 is allowing myself to get involved in drama that is not my business um, is exactly how I had it written out for number 10. Um, And then the second part that I have added since kind of starting back on this this year is figuring out why this is a part of it and how to change it. Um, So a main part for me of the codependent tendencies had to do with um, allowing myself to get involved in drama that wasn't my business. And 
that does not just necessarily mean gossiping and by by getting involved in. I don't necessarily mean like breaking into the middle of somebody else's fight or um, talking about it. Part of those things are part of it. But also um, as a person dealing with codependency, feeling the other person's situation is something like you have to fix or you have to be a part of or you want to rescue them or um, basically just like you need to hear it. You like you need to know and you need to know what's going on and you just really don't. <laughs> um, I will say that one way that I know I'm in a good place um, of healing and making progress is when I will hear about something that would have previously really, I would have been like, oh my gosh, really? Well, what happened? Well, were they, so so they were like in trouble for this? Well, did they know they weren't supposed to do that? And how did that happen? Or what is, you know, what is she feeling like? What is she going to do about it? None of my business. And like, th- that was my tendency. Like, that's just the way things were in life. Um, Like I said, when you're around a certain group of people, and that's kind of the people you surround yourself with, that's the way life goes. It just seems like that's what it is. And I remember first learning about this and thinking, okay, well, why though is that harmful? Like I'm not in those situations. I'm not talking bad about somebody. Like I'm not trying to be like, oh my gosh, they're so terrible. Um, But and it's sometimes not necessarily even trying to fix the problem or rescue the person, but it was almost just like, I don't know, when you have this codependent perception, it's kind of that you are not a separate person from other people. Um, and I've described this several times. And those of you who get it, get it. And those of you who don't are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But basically just kind of you feel it's hard to detach yourself from other people. So when something like that, you hear about something, some information, some drama, some scandal, whatever, something going on, even if it's just basic information of something that happened, you want to know all the details and all of that, because it's literally as if it had happened to like yourself or your child. And you're like, well, I need to fill in all the gaps in my head and like know how this happened and how it went down. Um, As somebody who is anxious and worried about things happening, sometimes I find myself, um, I guess, justifying that or going towards like, okay, I need to know what happened because I feel like I need to know how to prevent that from happening to me type thing. Um, And I'm sure some of y'all can relate with that. But I've even realized there's a lot of times when that is not, it, it may seem like that makes sense in my head, but it's just, it's not necessary. Like I don't need to know how to avoid every single terrible thing happening in the world. Um, I don't need to be aware of every single terrible news story and crime and everything that's happened in my city or in my state or whatever else. Like it's important to be aware, but sometimes it's important to take a step back and not let yourself get wrapped up in that. Um, so like I said, part of it is feeling somebody else's emotions too deeply, feeling like you want to rescue them, um, feeling like you need to help them. And part of a strategy for me is stopping myself. Like when I hear somebody um, talking about, oh my gosh, I just got a text from my boss that his sister was at this restaurant and 
the waiter spilled water all over their table and her kids were crying and now they, you know, are suing the restaurant. I don't know. That's a very extreme example. But something like that, hearing something like that previously, you know, my response would have been like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. Like what? Where now? Where do they live? What restaurant were they at? Um, And I think even if it wasn't trying to fix it or trying to be like, oh, I want to make sure never to go to that restaurant. It was in a way of just like you feel like that shows your care and concern for the situation where you shouldn't necessarily need to worry that you're showing care and concern for your friend's sister's boss and her kid who you have no idea about, you know, Um, and avoiding those types of conversations a lot of times looks like saying, oh, man, that's rough. I would be not real happy if that happened to me. Um, so what are you cooking for dinner tonight? I mean, or maybe do you need to go call your sister? Do you need to talk to her? Like, is everything okay? If not, a lot of times you might get a response from somebody. Oh, no, she just wanted to tell me. That was all. Okay, the end. And then you're not adding this additional layer of stress and worry and drama and anxiety and all of this into your life um, when it doesn't need to be there. It's it's adding a level of like the stress instead of creating peace and finding peace and finding calm in your own life. Um, I don't think there would be anything wrong with saying, oh, where did this happen? But then that's when you start getting into, well, we're going to be judging other people because we don't know the situation. We weren't there. We don't know what happened. Um, so that can take you down a whole nother like a whole different podcast, basically, if you start picking apart, like why it's not your responsibility to um, kind of hear about it and talk about it and solve it. Um, and I've got a couple others about that. If you haven't listened to the first nine of these, um, go back and see which ones kind of relate to you. And you'll probably find a lot of the offshoots of what I'm talking about here or there also. Um, okay, so Like I said, part of it's feeling someone else's emotions too deeply, feeling like you can't separate yourself from that person and that anything that happens is also part of your life as well. Um, Part of it's being a people pleaser, wanting to make sure you make other people happy, make sure you fix a situation if you can. Oh, my gosh. Well, I bet maybe I know somebody that works there and I can talk to them. Um, That that would be part of it, too. Um, In that situation, maybe you do know somebody that works there. But again, it's not your situation. It's not your business. There is zero reason for you to get involved in it if somebody doesn't ask for help. Um, That specific topic I know is in my Advice and Rescuing podcast, and I talk a lot about that. But the big part of it that's kind of the second part that I really have learned a ton about this year um, since even since I've made this list and even started this series Um, is a big part of it is addiction to chaos. And when I first heard that term and heard somebody talking about this, um, I follow a ton of people on Instagram that are helpful in my healing process, Um, different people that are working, that have worked through this stuff that are like experts on the topic, that do research and all kinds of stuff. Um, and I was seeing them post about this and I was like, you know, what exactly does this mean? And in looking into it, kind of the broad, um, unscientific, unprofessional, <laughs> not unprofessional, but unscientific explanation in pretty simplistic terms, 
um, is literally like an addiction to anything um, where your body, your mind, your like chemicals in your body react to chaos, react to stress, and you become addicted to that feeling. You become addicted to the um, way your body reacts, the chemicals and the hormones and all the things your body puts off in those situations, even if it's just hearing about it versus experiencing it. And so you will crave those things, just like an addict to a drug would, just like somebody who's addicted to shoes or addicted to whatever else. I mean, you can be addicted to all kinds of things that don't have like a chemical ingestion component. Um, one thing that I learned about this too is how it begins when you're young often and your body is used to the ups and downs of something always going wrong. So as I've talked about before too, the with codependency, a big, huge majority of the time, it's something that is um, goes along through families. Like you're going to look and as you start noticing it, you're going to see it in your family history and your family line. Um, and you're going to notice a lot of these things. So a lot of the time it begins when you're young and you're in an environment where it may be happy and wonderful and seems like everything is fine. Like in general, there's nothing like obviously wrong with your your family situation, but it's the situations where there's always something going wrong. Um, it's always, something's always drama. Something's always chaos. And as I was talking about before, you that sometimes is, um, I don't want to say manufactured in a way that makes it sound like people do it on purpose and intentionally are like, ooh, I'm going to make this stressful and I'm going to make this chaotic. It's just a natural response when that's your tendency, when that's your conditioning, and when that's what you've always known. Um, so that's the situations that as a child, your body kind of gets used to this up and down of these emotions. And even if that doesn't feel good at the time, even if it doesn't feel good that things are stressful and that everybody's upset or angry or worried or stressed, it feels comfortable and familiar. And it it's really taken me a while to understand that because I'm like, but it doesn't like, that's what I'm trying to get away from. That's what, you know, you're like the goal in life is, oh, if everything would just slow down. If we could stop having something bad happen all the time, if things would stop going wrong. But then when they do, our bodies in, a, in, in people who are used to that being life and that being a constant lifestyle, things aren't going to stop going wrong because you're going to seek it out unintentionally and subconsciously. You're not going to mean to, but if it doesn't happen within you or your family, you're going to attach yourself to somebody else's drama and be needing to fix them. Um, so when you're in that type of a situation where things are always going wrong, maybe having adults around who don't manage their emotional state, who instead of just solving problems and solving them in a way related to the part of the problem that is your responsibility and not taking on the whole problem themselves, that show healthy coping um, with things or show unhealthy, <laughs> unhealthy coping instead of showing how to appropriately manage stress and appropriately manage um, a problem that can all contribute to this. 
Um, also, having a schedule that's so packed full that you're always rushing from thing to thing to thing with never any downtime. So you never get used to calm. You never get used to downtime. Um, downtime, depending on your family situation, downtime or quiet or calm, maybe only something that happens after the adults in your life have gotten to the end of their rope. Um, and as a parent, I can say like the whole, okay, I'm so tired of everybody fighting with each other. Everybody just shut up and sit down and everybody be quiet. And like, that's the only time there's quiet. And so that's when, or when, you know, somebody has like a breakdown, like I'm just exhausted. I've been doing too much. I haven't been getting enough sleep. And that's when everybody slows down. That's when everybody goes to bed early and gets enough sleep um, for once. And then in a couple of days, it's back to the usual rush. Well, so you're associating the calm and the peace and the quiet with actually, oh, this is really uncomfortable because it happened after somebody got really mad. And are they still mad? I don't know. Like if you grew up where there was silent treatment or that type of like emotional reaction, your body is going like, are they mad at me? I don't know. Should I be, I should be like making sure they're happy because everybody needs to be happy and I'm responsible for this. This is my fault. You know, and as a kid, your brain goes to all those places. Um, so then as you grow up, as you become an adult, when there's quiet, when there's calm, when there's finally peace, it doesn't feel comfortable and doesn't feel peaceful. It feels like, oh, there must be something wrong. And, um, Cullen and I have even said this about our kids in dealing with the things we've gone through or that we went through um, with our relationship, with everything we've gone through in the past couple of years, and how it seems like a lot of times, especially in the car, they are not comfortable with silence at all. And it, it's not like they do talk a lot, their kids, and yes, they want to talk, but it's almost like if it gets quiet, somebody comes out with the most random thing just to keep their being conversation or keep something going on, even if there's music on. It's like, if they're not talking to me, does that mean they're mad at me? Are they mad at each other? Because that's how we used to handle things. And we're working on changing that, but it takes some time to get used to it. Um, so on top of that, like I said, a schedule where you're always rushing around, there's never any downtime. Um, when there is downtime, maybe it's filled with other people's drama, other people's chaos. And then having an environment where there is a perception that something will always go wrong. Um, things won't always work out. There's too many things to take care of or too many possessions. So there always is something to, to fix or there is something that needs um, working on or something that's going to break. And that's the situation we ran into. And one of the reasons we were like so strongly wanting to downsize because it was like we want to remove the chaos. Like we want to find out how to get used to peace and calm and get used to having open space on our calendar, get used to accepting that it's okay to have open space on our calendar. And that was one of our major reasons for wanting to downsize and get rid of so many possessions. Because when you don't have a whole lot of stuff, which we do still have a lot of stuff, but compared to what we did, we have a way less than we used to there's always going to be something to break or to fix. Um, and it's also how you handle those things too, because if it's some huge drama about fixing something, then it's a huge drama versus um, learning how to handle something in a way that's like, this just is what it is and building in time in your schedule so that there's time 
there's extra time for whatever it may be. For if somebody gets sick and has to stay home, for if, you know, the car breaks down, whatever else. Like, for example, we had um, last, I guess it was last week, maybe the week before, our air conditioning in our car went out. And um, it was random. It was a Suburban, like a fairly, I don't know, five years old. And we were like, what the heck? This is, we're like living in the hottest place ever and our air conditioning has gone out. But I think the response to something like that, instead of being, oh my gosh, this is terrible. What are we going to do? It is so hot here. And like, I just, we cannot drive without air and we don't have the money to fix it. And so instead of panicking, observing the situation, okay, here, this is the situation. It is what it is. Let's look into it. So Colin looked it up and found it was actually due to a recall on that particular model in like year or whatever of Suburban. Um, so that was a relief too of like, oh, okay, it's probably a recall. So then in a situation where your body and your brain and your insides are addicted to chaos, then it's, oh my gosh, well, of course this would happen to us. Of course, we're going to get this car that has this recall. And it's, it's changing your whole mindset to not even think that, but instead to think, oh, wow, this is great. It's not something we have to pay for. It's something that is going to be able to be fixed. We know that it's due to this. Let's call the dealership, see when we can come in. And just kind of like, I don't know, a, a more emotionally stable way of handling things like that that happens um, or that happen and that in a way that is not creating more chaos or turning it into a chaotic situation. And I think when you have this natural tendency, you have to be so aware of um, calmly assessing situations and trying to see everything that happens as like it's life and things are going to happen. I've had to learn that a lot with kids and, you know, the major meltdowns over things and the crying. And that's that's a whole nother podcast itself, too. Um, but breaking down over the fact that, you know, I think I mentioned a couple podcasts ago you put my toothbrush or my toothpaste back in the wrong spot. And then it's a, it's like really upsetting to your child assessing that like, that's their emotions. Like that's, it's okay. People are going to have emotions. They're going to get upset about something. We don't know what's going through their mind about the toothpaste. We don't know whether they're overtired, over hungry, had a bad day. And so not trying to interpret everything and allow it to cause more stress, but just dealing with it, letting it be observing it and letting it ride. Um, so with the car, because of the way that we've worked our schedule and left free space in our schedule, it was not a big deal at all for Cullen to go after he dropped Brooks off at school, dropped the car off. I went and picked him up, um, was able to get back because our schedule isn't so packed full that there's not time in there for stuff like that. And used to, I would not like leaving open space in my schedule like that because people would say to leave space like that for, you know, well, what if there's an accident? So like, you know, always leave extra early, whatever. And I'm like, but there's may not be. And then what if I've just got this extra space in my schedule? Well, then is that not what you've always wanted? <laughs> like some extra space and time in your schedule. But it also comes from from a mentality of thinking, well, you're not doing enough if your schedule's not completely full. So when that's the underlying mentality there too, and you've got it packed full so that you ensure that you do not feel like you're slacking, then you're actually adding way more stress and you're just asking for things to go wrong. Okay, so talking about like, how am I working 
to overcome this. I've already talked a little bit about it in the whole like leaving room for yourself, leaving time in your schedule. Um, basically, with everything that I have worked on changing, the first step that <laughs> when I first heard people saying this I was like, I just don't understand how that would help is literally just observing yourself, observing, not judging, but observing when you do it observing when you go, oh my gosh, when did that happen? How old is she? Where were they? You know, when you hear something from somebody and you have to get all the details, when you find yourself jumping into a situation, don't judge and don't be like, oh, here I go again. I'm so terrible. I'm doing this. Talk nicely to yourself and acknowledge it. Oh, this is that addiction to chaos thing. Okay. I see myself doing it. This is a good example in my head. I can remember that this is what it's like. I may not be able to pull myself out of it right now because I may have just committed to helping somebody with something I shouldn't have been getting myself involved in. But now I, I see it. I recognize it. Um, so observing yourself, seeing it, and then what I've learned because I'm like, okay, well, then what's the next step after that? So then do you start at some point observing it and then not doing it? No. For me, it's been once I start observing it, I start seeing it before it happens um, and recognizing it, recognizing it before I get too far in or too far deep to back out. And so as you start observing, you'll start changing your patterns. Um, there is one girl that I follow on Instagram. Her name or her Instagram name is Stephanie Lynn Coaching, I believe, like S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, Stephanie Lynn, L-Y-N-N, Coaching. Um, and she talked some about this, and she talked about um, recognizing when you start to feel like you have to do something or are obligated to do something in order to calm the emotional response in yourself, even when it's not your situation, versus when you feel peaceful and you feel emotionally stable and emotionally available and want to help somebody else or a situation where it doesn't create an added stress barrier to your own situation. So um, when you have found peace and calm in your life, when you have extra time and space in your life, in your schedule, and you're like, you know, this person said they need help, um, say, I don't know, taking their kid to a dentist appointment. I have no idea. I think of the most random examples when I'm on the spot. I should probably start thinking of some examples ahead of time. Um, and being able to say, you know what, I like actually do have some space in my schedule. I realize this would be helpful for them. So sure, I'll be glad to do that. Like I want to help. I, I realize that that's why I have my schedule the way it is. Um, instead of recognizing or no, recognizing that it's that instead of you feeling like you're obligated when you start going, oh my gosh, I don't know. Like, I really don't want to do that. I don't have time in my schedule. And if I do that, then I'm probably going to be pushing it on time to get to pick up my kid from school. And I just, oh, I hate to be late, but like, I think I can make it work. I really, I really like you get this emotional tension in your body and you feel like you need to do something for somebody else or you need to get involved in their drama in order to calm this emotional response in yourself. Um, that's not when you want to jump in and be available and be emotional, emotionally attached in helping. Um, so one example that I actually did think of ahead of time is, um, this is, it's kind of like, it's based on a true story 
of something that actually happened. Um, it's not totally the situation, but I'm kind of modifying it to make sense in this in this example. So once my kids got back in school, when COVID was still around, um, but the kids were back in school, they had lots of strict protocols in place. And so if you didn't get your kids to school by the time that they stopped carpool and shut the doors, your kids didn't get to come that day because they were they just had to maintain their cleaning procedures and their sanitization and all of that just was it was how it is that was the rule okay so I knew that if I didn't get my kids there before that happened they would miss the entire day of school which would be a bummer for everybody um so say this is the situation you're on the way to school you see two people on the side of the road trying to catch a stray dog or like a dog that looks like it needs help it's you know running around trying to help um we are big animal people and I always feel obligated but stopping to help in that situation would guarantee being late um, and not getting the kids to school and the kids missing the entire day of school. Maybe this dog is like running out in the street and you're worried it's going to get hit and everything else. But in that situation, I might get some uh, negative feedback on this, but this isn't your dog and you have to weigh what's more important to you in the situation, your kids and their schedule maintaining its consistency or helping this dog where there's already two other people trying to help it you're not even sure you'll be able to help it because there's already two people involved who aren't able to my solution at this point would be you keep going um or i would keep going and get my kids to school on time um allowing myself to recognize that it's not my situation um although it is always nice to stop and help it's not the time. I'm not emotionally, I don't have the emotional space. I don't have the time, like physical space, time, schedule, space, um, in order to maintain my family's daily routine. Because if my kids miss getting into school, then not only do they miss a day of school and their whole schedule's off, they're upset and they're stressed. My whole schedule's off because I've got meetings and work and things planned for the rest of the day that I didn't plan on having kids with me for. So as hard as it is to make a decision like that in a situation where it's a, a cute little dog that's running loose, right? You want to help. But you have to be able to separate yourself from those emotions. And um, being an empath or being a person who struggles with codependency, it's hard to to not be like, oh, my gosh, if I don't help, one, those people are going to think I'm terrible for not stopping to help. Two, oh, my gosh, it hurts my heart so bad to see that that dog is loose. And what if it gets hit by a car? Um, so take away the people that are already helping. Maybe there's a stray dog and it's running around in the street and you're still in the same situation of your kids are going to be late to school. Um, all of the like domino effect that happens from you stopping and taking an extra five minutes when you don't even know if you can actually help this dog. Now, let me just say also, I think there are certain situations like this where you might be able to stop and help and your kid's school is going to be understanding like, you stopped and helped somebody that needed help. But when it's, that's also just assuming that somebody else needs to alter their schedule for you. So just, just think about it and see the domino effect of how you have to know when's the right time and where is your place to stop and help. Um, It's not the place for somebody who's got two young kids in the car who is going to miss the entire day of school if they don't get there, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, so that's just the example of saying yes to things that, you know, will make you pressed for time or add, add stress. And somebody who has this 
somebody who has this addiction to chaos or tendency to like uh, be drawn to or seek stress and chaos is going to without a thought stop and help without realizing the impact that it has on the people that they're responsible for you're responsible for your children and for yourself and for your family first and foremost you're not responsible for somebody else's dog I understand it's nice to stop and help you're not that's not your responsibility your primary responsibility so that's kind of how I have to make decisions um Another part of like figuring out how to stop this kind of a little bit of what I talked about earlier is learning how to intentionally slow down, how to intentionally create routines that don't invite chaos. So even if you feel like, you know, your schedule needs to be packed, it needs to be full, learning how to do that, how to sit with the discomfort. It's taken me some time to get used to sitting still. And being peaceful, and I don't mean physically sitting still because that's always hard for me anyway, <laughs> but I mean like being emotionally, physically, mentally still and peaceful and just allowing there to be time to sit and watch my kids play in the yard or to get out there and play with the kids. Um, that, as much as it sounds strange, that took some discomfort and some getting used to. And I will honestly say I don't even know that I should ever say that COVID was a blessing because it definitely was not a blessing to anybody. But the situation where we were all kind of forced to stop was a good time for me to kind of test it out. Um, so, yes, we were all forced to stop, but I still found myself constantly trying to fill my time um, when it wasn't required. And I think it's just the mentality of feeling like you're not good enough if you're not doing enough, feeling like you're... Um, disappointing people if you're not doing enough, feeling like you're being judged or you're a slacker or whatever else is in your daggum head. Stop thinking it. I know it's easier said than done to just stop thinking something. But um, also recognize the feeling of like the rising adrenaline and see if that's necessary or if I'm creating it. Because basically with addiction to chaos, you're constantly turning off and on fight or flight mode, which is something that was created by God in our bodies for the purpose of literally escaping prey, you know, to begin with. I mean, predators to begin with. And it's not something, obviously, that we often have to worry about escaping predators in our lives. Um, and when you become addicted to that through the other situations, you have to start recognizing, like, is I feel this this feeling rising. I feel this adrenaline rising. Is this necessary? Like, do I need to panic? Do I need to you know, worry that my life is on the line? Or is this that that thing kicking in? Um, is this that addiction to chaos? Is this that adrenaline? And I need to bring it down a notch because like this, it's my life is not at stake right now. And my adrenaline is increasing because I'm creating it like I'm allowing it to it's not necessary for me to continue functioning. Um, I think for me too, it's also been important to notice routines that weren't maximized for success. Um, so like, for example, and this is not always perfect now, but we try really hard to always pack the kids lunches the night before lay out clothes and prepare as much as we can the night before for the next morning. Um, I know that sounds 
like the most basic thing and is definitely not rocket science, but it's one of those things that I knew. And in my head, I was like, okay, but I mean, it's fine. It takes two seconds to pick out clothes and it takes two minutes to make a lunch. So like we can do it in the morning if we need to. And there's definitely days when we still end up picking out clothes or making lunches in the morning. But for the majority of it, our routine, like our our typical routine was not maximized for success because it was just expected. That's always how it was. And now it's expected that it's the other way. It's expected that we're prepared ahead of time. So if there is extra time in the morning, like this morning, um, with the time change, my kids have been extra tired in the morning, not wanting to get up. And so we had a little bit of extra time to sit and snuggle because things were prepared and things were ready. Um, I've also noticed, again, I'm like, this could be a whole nother podcast. I'm not going to go too far into this, but I'll just kind of like leave you with these thoughts. Noticing yourself as you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, noticing what you watch or what you're drawn to watching. Is it posts and comment sections on posts or videos on YouTube or TV shows that include a lot of drama and chaos and a lot of that adrenaline feeling rises in your body like, oh my gosh, I have to read about this. I have to see what happens. What are all the comments saying? Oh my gosh. And I'm totally guilty of it and didn't even, it's like one of the final steps for me of recognizing because I'm like, okay, I'm getting this under control in my life. And then I start realizing that I'll get sucked into random posts from somebody on Facebook that's talking about their drama with their kids, like toenail and how they had to go to the hospital or whatever else. And I like got to read all the comments and everybody else sharing their stories. And I'm like, this is not, this is not enhancing my day. <laughs> like there's no reason if you feel obligated to feel care and show love for this person, it's fine to look at it, read it, you know, read their little post and leave a comment. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of you. Let me know if you need anything, whatever. But for me, it was getting sucked into like having to read what everybody else said and I was like, why do I do that? And then I realized it's because that gives that feeling without it being in your own life. Like that gives that feeling of you're, you don't even notice it. It's subconscious. You're, you've got this like feeling in your body and your um, hormone chemical changes in your body. Again, super non-scientific explanation of um, those stress hormones rising and falling and it's a comfortable feeling, unfortunately, for a lot of us. So notice it as you're scrolling. Notice what you find yourself getting stuck on, what you find yourself being drawn to watching. See where you can replace that with peace. I have used the mute and snooze buttons on Facebook um, a lot because there's people that I'm friends with that I want to be able, like I want to keep up with them and I want to follow them and I still want to be friends with them. But their posts were consistently, even if they didn't come across as negative, maybe they were super passive aggressive or it was always about some drama or some complaint about how terrible their kids were, complain about how awful their day was or how hard it was or what their kids broke or something like that. And I just had to mute that. You can like hit the little three dots up by somebody's name and say like snooze for 30 days or snooze forever or whatever else. And you won't see their posts, but you're still friends with them. Um and there's nothing wrong with that. I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel so bad. Like, I don't want them to think. But first of all, they don't know that you snoozed them. Second of all, it's your responsibility to take care of you, your emotional state and your mental space. And by removing some of the 
noise and um, things that are going to continue creating this in you when you're trying to get past it, it's fine. Like it's okay to do that. It's like saying that you feel guilty for throwing out all the cookies in your pantry when you're trying to um, eat healthier, you know, like you want to feel bad about that. You recognize that if you want to eat healthier, you need to not be looking at cookies. So if you want to rid yourself of this addiction to chaos, this emotional roller coaster that you find yourself going on all the time, rid yourself of the chaotic um, content they're putting into your mind and your brain. And for me personally, I have found that just like with any addiction, with any drug, with any whatever, the less you consume it, the more you remove, the less you seek it, and then the less you actually want it when it comes up. So I'll see some of these things come up that I would have previously gotten super over involved in and be like, okay, I don't really care to hear about that. You know, um, actually had a friend the other day talking about somebody texting her, um, about somebody else's drama. Like, oh my gosh, somebody just texted me about this and that. And I don't know why they're telling me this. I'm like, Hmm, that's interesting. You know, like you don't have to, you can choose to respond and not react. And a lot of times I'm like, Oh, it sounds like that's not really my business, but I hate that for them. <laughs> so, you know, at this point, I'm like, whether I come across as rude, I'm not intending to be rude. It's genuinely not my business. So anyways, okay, this one, I, I had said to myself, this one's not gonna be that long, because I don't have that much to talk about. But as with all the things that I'm like currently learning about, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need everybody to know that this is a thing. I need nobody else to feel stuck in this place. And I need everybody that's dealing with it to know that you don't have to live like that. Like your life doesn't have to be chaos. Things don't always have to go wrong. If you're in a life where you're like, that's just my luck. Things are always going to go wrong. No, you can change that. You can absolutely change that for yourself. So keep that in mind. I hope some of this was helpful. If it was, um, I would love it if you would rate this podcast. I don't know where you're listening. Um, if you're listening on Apple, I believe there's some little stars right there and you just hit them. You can also leave a written review and I'm able to read those. And it's actually super helpful in getting the content out there. And that's how Apple like decides about um, promoting content or putting other content out there so other people can see it. So I really appreciate it when you guys do that. I really appreciate all the love and support. And I am looking forward to getting into talking about some other stuff that's like current and relevant and being done with this dang list. <laughs> but I'm also proud of myself for sticking to it and finishing it, even if it took me all this time. Getting through this past year, I think, is an accomplishment for anybody, no matter your situation. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, you can find me on Instagram, katiepie07. That's where I am mostly. Um, my family has family vlogs over on YouTube, Cullen and Katie. So I will see you guys those places. I hope y'all are having a fabulous week. Enjoy your weekend. Try to take some time and like have stillness and peace and schedule some downtime into your weekend. If that's not something you usually do, it might be hard at first, but it's a work in progress. You can do it. <laughs> see you guys later.